The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Good morning, Scott. Good Good to see you, Jay. Boy, there's a... Good to see you guys. A lot of chatter in the news this past week about, uh, and, and we've been talking about this for the last several weeks, but just the high cost of living, the threat of, uh, of financial stress and rising interest rates. And, you know, even a, a study earlier on in the week that said, or a survey that said one in four are worried that they could lose their home if, they're, uh, if their interest rates go up too high. So w- what are your thoughts about where we are this week? Well, that's a great question. And yes, it, that hits close to home because you're not only seeing it with um, just interest rates, you're seeing mm-hmm. the stock markets react. There's the inflation worries, which is actually causing the interest rates. And when they increase the money supply in the U.S. by 40% just through the pandemic. So all the money was created in those two years. Well, it all goes into the economy. Prices go up. And so we're getting the aftermath of, you know, pandemic you know, the, the pandemic band-aid of throwing money at the problem, which worked. Okay. It helped for sure. It got people through those two years, but now you've de- you've got a different problem now and that's the higher interest rates, which then are, is leading to financial stress. And coincidentally, that's what Jay's going to speak about. Yeah. Perfect. Good segue, Don. So yeah. Interesting. Scott, that survey that you're talking about um, that was done by Manulife. And that was actually done back in April of 2022. So we've already seen an interest rate hike since that study was done. So I'm just curious what, what that data or if Manulife will go back and do another study in the next couple of months to see if that number is even higher. Yeah, but 25% of Canadians say they uh, are, are feel they may need to sell their home in the next in the next year based on interest rates continuing to rise. So yeah, lots of stress out there. We get it. Uh, we're here for our clients. We help them navigate through uh, the ups and downs. Let me let me just interrupt you there, Jay. So yeah. what is the fallout? Because again, everybody knows things go up, blah, blah, blah. We, we deal with this all the time, but now it's just, it's exponentially. So what is the fallout when all of a sudden a survey says one in four could lose their home? I mean, what does that do to prices? I mean, that's going to have a, a large rippling effect, will it not? Yeah, I think a lot of that is emotion too. It's just a, a matter of opinion, right? So they say that if they if they look at it and say, well, 12, 25% of Canadians say will need to sell their house. That's what they feel they're going to need to do. Right. And they don't really tighten their purse strings. You know, the last the last 24 months through this pandemic that people are spending money like crazy, believe it or not, right? Doing renovations to their homes, uh, now, now looking at booking vacations. So spending is still happening. And that's why our economy is doing well. But the fallout, I don't, I don't necessarily see it happening, you know, falling off the cliff type thing. Right. Um, even though people, people are worried, um, I don't know if it actually happens. Uh, I don't know if everyone starts to sell their house immediately. And, and, and you're actually, you're absolutely right, Jay. The other part of this fallout is, is the headline stress. It, it, it's, yeah. you know, the big, you know, how many people actually delve right into the article and read through the whole thing? They mm-hmm. also need to just check out the headlines, maybe read the first uh, paragraph at best, and then onto the next article, and they're flipping through headline stress, and that's the attention grabber. That's what people will actually remember is the headline, yeah. and often yeah. the article itself is far tamer than mm-hmm. the headline. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, most look, of and most of the time it's an editor that picks the headline, not the person that actually authored the story. So that's something to keep uh, in mind too. Okay, good to know. <laughs> you sound like yeah. you've been you've had this happen to you, Scott. Oh, Scott, I'm, you're I'm, in the business. <laughs> I'm the one that asked the question and, and look at there it is. There's the media, you know, running with the headline. Uh, there you go. There you go. Well, yeah, there's definitely uh reason to be stressed. Markets, stock markets are down, you know, Canadian markets down around seven percent right now, US stock markets down 21%, um, inflation almost 7% in Canada, almost 9% in, in the U.S., uh, labor shortages in Canada and the U.S., but uh, you know there's a, a million unfilled positions in Canada right now, um, unemployment rate at its lowest rate since 1976, so there's definitely some issues there, supply chain issues, so that also co- coincides with labor shortages, uh, equipment parts, availability, all that kind of stuff, a ripple effect in the global uh, bottom next at all the ports so lots of stuff going on interest rates like we've already talked about housing affordability we buy do we sell should i rent all of these things um you know going back to the interest rates um bank of canada had their rates back in february of 2020 prime rate was 3.95 that's that's just two years ago or just uh, back at the beginning of the pandemic well primary right now is 3.7 so it's actually lower than it was back in february so people are panicking over this uh the higher interest rates right now but we're back to where we were pre-pandemic um so don't press the panic button just yet um but a lot of these things that i just mentioned are things that we can't control they're out of our control we can't re- we can't really do anything about it so uh what can we do to put things in perspective and what can we control so i'm just going to shed some light on um what we can control some maybe some tips for some of our listeners on what we can do to get things in check we can't control those things that i just mentioned it's going to happen but what can we do to to offset some of that um i just read a study uh from hoop uh, our pension one of our pension funds here in canada and they said 63 percent of canadians have not set aside or saved any funds for retirement in the last year and again, they've been spending it on renovations, booking trips, uh, going to restaurants again, all these things. So the last year, 63% of Canadians didn't save $1, not $1. And I would argue, again, talking about news headlines, I would argue that that study, if they dig, dug a little deeper, how many of those, you know, the 37% that did save, how many actually save more than a couple hundred bucks? So even if you save $1, you're considered that you save something for retirement. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think a lot of Canadians aren't taking taking their financial stresses seriously they're worried about what they can't control but they're not controlling what they are worried they're worried about what they can't control um, as opposed to what they can control so uh, unless you start taking your finances seriously uh, you're likely going to be stressed Um, I know I would be that's for sure so some simple tips to get started and and to figure out what um, what you can do to to make things easier on 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 the stress level and uh, obviously stress in a family and in the household, finances are usually number one that, that cause stresses in the, in the household. So putting a, a comprehensive budget together or cash flow analysis. So the money that write down how much money comes in from your salary, bonuses, benefits, all that kind of stuff. And then compare that to what your expenses are and have a healthy conversation with your, your, your better half and decide, you know, what are we spending our money on? Is this something that we want to keep doing? Um, and if it is, um, is the, is it an end to the to the means? Are we living beyond our means? Um, so I think it's definitely something that we do. Don and I go through a, a detailed cash flow analysis with clients, and it's surprising what what we find often. 
it's uh, also interesting. It, it sounds great on paper, Jay. You go, you got husband and wife, and they're just going to have this nice, very uh, easygoing conversation about their finances and and, and their budget. Yeah, it, it, you know what? That's uh, almost utopia. That is yeah. not what happens in real life. Okay, mm-hmm. real life is you spent this much. What are we spending so much money in golfing? And why do you do this? And you know, it ends up being. And this is where having a financial planner at the table, just to take the emotion out of the expenses. Hey, a budget is really your. What are you spending money on? We're not judging. We're just saying this is what your lifestyle is. There may be areas to cut corners. And, and we've done it enough times. We know what the average person spends on groceries, et cetera. But it is, uh, it is interesting. It's a very difficult conversation. And usually this conversation, when they do this, they're already under stress because they have to have the conversation. So yeah, for sure, it's, it's not the time to do it is when you're, you want to plan this ahead of time. And so again, having that third party, have a CFP, having a financial planner at the table makes this far easier. Can I speak from experience yeah. here who um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we just had one of those little meetings and, uh, and, and, and the hard part is and when Don makes his point, the hard part is sitting there quiet and not going, see, see, <laughs> see. So, um, it was, it, it, but it was a great meeting, Scott. It was absolutely fabulous. <laughs> it, it was the highlight of my month. Uh, <laughs> well, that's just yeah, it. A lot it, of people it, it does make it very easy and it sounds weird, but it's easier if there is a professional in the room kind of refereeing, mitigating, guiding. refereeing, yeah. <laughs> mitigating, mitigating is yeah, a good word. Yeah, Let's use yeah, mitigating. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's just it. And that's as, as financial planners, we're not there to tell people what to spend their money on at all. If, if people want to spend money on Tim Hortons, go for it. It's that's, that's their choice. Um, whatever else they want to do with their money, that's fine. Um, we're not there to judge. So, uh, but one of our tips is spend less by trimming day-to-day costs. So one of the th- things that people uh, aren't aware of is, you know, banking fees. And I look at someone, if, if you keep $3,000 in your bank account, um, there's the, most, most banks, will waive all bank fees. But if you have less than that 3000, they're charging you, uh, let's say $15 to, to run that bank account. So that's 180 bucks a year. So if you just put that $3,000 in and kept it in there all year, to save that eight, $180, that's a 6% return on your money, just from banking fees. That's not interest on your money. That's nothing. That's just fees alone. So different things that a lot of people don't, I'm not telling people to stop spending money on restaurants and things like that. But look at what you're charged for. Look at your cell phone bills, call your cell phone company, see if there's anything you can do, call their loyalty department, cable, cable television or satellite cable, uh, your internet bills, all those things. Take a look and see what you're spending on. Do you have something that you're not even using, especially in the summer months? I know myself, I don't watch a lot of TV in the summer. I'm outside enjoying things. Maybe reduce your cable package during that time Um, and then bump it back up in the fall or the winter when you start watching more TV. So just little things that you can do to save money. And, And again, not here to tell you how to spend your money, but look at what you're spending your money on and going through that budget will definitely help you, uh, you know, eliminating those unnecessary costs, uh, find ways to, uh, uh, pay less on, on your debts. So if you've got credit cards and you've got a line of credit, um, definitely 
definitely look at paying off that line of credit with, or paying off those credit cards with your line of credit. If you've got a 19% credit card and you got a 6% line of credit, it just makes sense to pay off that credit card. And people sometimes, like, like we said, you sit down at the table and you got two people and they said, yeah, well, I do have a credit card, my own little private credit card that I've got a couple thousand dollars on that I, I, I'm afraid to admit to, and I never pay it off because I'm trying to get it off, but I never do. So, you know, put everything on the table and pay down that, pay down that credit card uh, using, using lower, lower, uh, lower interest debt, um, setting clear goals. So both, both members of the family, or even if you're single, make sure you've got clear goals on your savings. Again, coming back to that 63% of Canadians have saved, you got to start saving. If you're, you're not serious about saving and not serious about getting your finances in order, then, then you you know, you're doomed for, for failure. Live within your means. Uh, don't pay more tax than you need to. Often we advise clients to sit down with an accountant. It may cost you a hundred dollars to do your tax return and you've been do- doing it for free your, your whole life. And, and you think a hundred dollars is a waste of money because you can easily do a tax return. Sometimes that hundred dollars using an accountant can really pay off and get you far more than, more than that hundred dollars that you paid. So uh, make sure you're not paying more tax than you need to. Um, use online banking to set up automatic payments. So you want to make sure that you've got systematic payments set up so that you're not paying interest if you miss a bill or something like that. So those are easy, easy fixes. Um, take advantage of your workplace plan. So if you've got a matching plan or there's group benefits at your work, review that. A lot of places have these flex benefits where you're paying for benefits. And let's say you had benefits when the kids were younger and you had dental coverage in this, this premium dental coverage plan, and you're using your, your flex benefits towards that when you don't need the dental coverage as much anymore because the kids don't need braces and, and whatnot. And you can use that money to put towards your retirement. So just reviewing those plans, that could, those, those are easy fixes again. Um, save for retirement now. Don't, don't wait. Um, we see so many people putting it off, putting it off. Once I get the mortgage paid off, once I get the line of credit paid off, I'll start saving for retirement. Don't delay. Uh, start saving for retirement as soon as possible. The compound on, uh, on the investments is, is invaluable to your retirement plan. We are, we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Lots of chatter about, as we were saying in the last uh, segment with inflation and, and runaway costs and such. But a, a sidebar to that is the housing market. I mean, it, it's just, um, you know, at one time it was just a roller coaster going up the hill. Now it seems it's, it's running the rest of the ride and, and we're not sure yeah. where it's going to go. And uh, you're talking about how we, how we cope with this in the aftermath of a pandemic and what we've been going through. Absolutely, Scott. And just, you know, hitchhiking a little on Jay's, this is another stressor. You know, this yeah. is this is a high stress area right now. 
Um, you know, it was a party going on. Nobody wanted to miss this rave. And it's, it was a housing market. And it's like, oh, boy, you got to get into the housing market. And they're, and they're bidding up prices. Housing prices would go up 30% over what the asking price was. People were literally throwing a few extra $100,000 over asking. And the asking price was already high. And it was just, this is the kind of euphoria that was going in and the kind of feeling of, I got to get in before it goes up anymore. Um, investment companies were getting into the housing market and renting, and that added more pressure. Grandparents were throwing money to help their grandkids into the market. So all this at super low interest rates pushed up the housing prices 53% in two years. Mm -hmm. You know, think about that. If it was a, you know, a million dollar home two years ago, it's a $1.5 million home two years later. Like that's insane. That's uh, that's speculative stocks. Like that is nuts. Yeah, this 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 housing boom has caused uh, you know a lot of people that were let's say you know seventy years old, living off one income, raising a family, and then all of a sudden now we've got all these millionaires, right? And, yeah. and people are looking at they they never thought they had two nickels to rub together basically their whole lives, and now we've got you know the whole city is a millionaire. There's a Pretty bunch much, of millionaires yeah, in the yeah. city now, right? Yeah, Everyone's yeah. net worth is a million bucks now that average house, house paid for. Yeah, average yeah. house is a million dollars. Incredible, in incredible. At least it was. I'm not quite sure right now, but anyway, it definitely was. And I know things have dipped a bit, and we'll get to that. But the recent report card from Canada, some study, um, had hefty debt as a number one risk, and the number two risk was elevated housing prices. So, and they kind of go hand in hand. So it's kind of interesting. They actually started cutting down what is the general population. I found this really interesting because 35% really don't have to worry about, you know, their mortgage payments or anything because they're mortgage free. So that's a pretty decent number. So over a third of the population who have a, that has a house doesn't own a penny on it. Uh, 37%, about another third, if you will, are renters. So a little bit over a third are renters. So again, other than rent going up, they don't have to worry about. And again, there's limits on how fast the, the, the rent can go up. So they, they know, you know there's rent control and they have to be so much a year is all they can expect. Well, the owners of those that are renting it out and their mortgage is coming to a different story. So we'll get to that in a sec too. So there's 28% of the population of Canada has a mortgage on their house. So I say, okay, well, what's that mean? Are these people at high risk? Well, as it turns out, 26% of the ones with mortgages have loan to income ratios over four and a half times. So if you make $100,000 and you own a home, about one in four people out there would have a mortgage greater than four and a half times. So that would be $450,000 plus mortgage. And that's considered mm. higher risk. And that's greater than four and a half times. I would suggest it's like six or seven times. And so these are the ones that are at risk. And that's so kind of, turn, that's kind of scary. Sorry, sorry, Don, that's kind of yeah. scary when you think about if you've got two, two income earners, maybe each earning $100,000. So now you're at $200,000 and now your mortgage is $900,000. Exactly. That is yeah. insane. Yeah. And that's 26% of all mortgage holders out there, which is an increase of a few mm. percent from 2019. So the size of the mortgages versus your income, which is a really good way of looking at it. It's one thing to have a mortgage, but it really comes down to how big is your income. 
And so that ratio has gotten larger since 2019, before the pandemic. And so it turns out that one in 14 homeowners are one of those people. So if you look at a street with 28 houses on your crescent, two of them have high ratio mortgages. And so they're the ones at risk, just to kind of put it in perspective. So, you know, in investors account for 22% of all the mortgages out there. So they've a lot, and you look at their case. So if you own your own house, it's okay. As long as you make the mortgage payment, you're okay. It doesn't really matter if the housing price goes up or down. But now think about the ones that have now, you know what? I think this is a great opportunity to get a, uh, an income property. So you've taken a loan against your house. So it's called a leverage. So you're leveraging against your house. So your million dollar house, because it's gone up. So now you take a $400,000 loan against your house to buy a couple rental properties, $200,000 in each, hoping that they go up. And now you got tenants that are paying the mortgage or at least most of it. This all sounds great until interest rates rise or you lose a tenant. So let's assume you got great tenants, everything's running smoothly, but now your interest rates are gone up. So you're barely hanging on and you've leveraged your problem. So what happens is if you were just breaking even and interest rates go up a couple percent, you now have to make these payments. And this isn't even your house. You've got now a rental loss every month. And that's as long as the tenants don't leave you. So there's that extra stress. And so this is where, this is how kind of, you know, I wouldn't call it silly, but yeah, I guess I would. Bonkers is certainly the word that they used in this article that people were getting into. And, you know, if the owner loses money, if you have a house and you live in it and it goes down, it's only money on paper. It doesn't really matter. But it really, it's the investors that are, they could really have a lot of risk. You know, um, in, in, we were talking earlier, Don and Jay, about how um, that survey said that one out of four were in fear of losing their homes if interest rates went up too high. With you talking about the amount of people who are would normally not be buying rental properties and are as an investment, um, you have to wonder if that 25% is that, that group of people. It's those people that will sell the properties, not their own homes per se. Yeah, that's maybe mm-hmm. it's a, it's it's either a coincidence, Scott, or it is actually the case. It's a, yeah, that's a great yeah. great observation. Uh, yeah, it's hard to tell who who these people are, but at the end of the day, it's um, you know everybody's worried if they lost a job, they wouldn't be able to afford mortgage payments. But these are people that are working, keeping their job, and, un- and employment is very high. The employment rate, as Jay mentioned, is very high, so it's not the worry there. But interest rates could easily double. And I'm going to actually Jay went through these numbers already. But as Jay mentioned, the, the prime rate before the pandemic was 3.95. Well, then that lasted rate from 2000, October 2018 to basically when the pandemic started. And it started falling quickly. I don't know if you remember, it was, it was very knee-jerk reaction. Good for the government to do this, to be honest. Um, and all governments in the world were doing this. Uh, it dropped from 3.95 to 3.45 on March 10th. Oh, that lasted for a week and then it went to 2.95. Nine five, and then it lasted for another, you know, couple of weeks, and it was now two point four five. So it dropped from three point nine five percent to two point four five, and these are the lending rates that you can get on a line of credit. Usually, it's prime plus a quarter, so you would pay two point seven. Pretty darn good. Now it's back to three point seven, as Jay mentioned. So it hasn't really, there hasn't been a, an increase per se, but what has happened in that two years? That's the tricky thing. 
what has actually gone on? And this is where a lot has gone on. And where people have, again, housing prices went berserk in that time. People have taken on tons of debt. Had the pandemic not happened, the housing prices wouldn't have gone up because interest rates wouldn't have dropped. There wouldn't have been this, this run up in the housing prices and people leveraging to things that they've never done before. So it's brought in a lot of this risk type behavior. And this is where, again, having that third party, having a certified financial planner, it's kind of like, you know, you know, the angel devil on your shoulder. Okay, here's the pros of doing that, but here's the cons. And most people only know about the good part. And they say, oh, here's the reason I'm going to leverage. And certainly if you're talking to real estate agents, they're somewhat biased. So they're going to give you all the reasons why it's a good thing to do. But talking to a certified financial planner, they'll also give you the other side of it and saying, should you do this? So just to put it in perspective, if you had a million dollar mortgage on a house, nothing outstanding in terms of a mortgage size these days, when the average house was a million. So if you got a million dollar, million point five, one point five million dollar house, you put $500,000 down, you got a million dollar mortgage. That's pretty good. Your mortgage payment was, if you got a variable loan at the time at 1.45, your mortgage payment was just short of $4,000, $3,971 a month. Well, already on that variable rate mortgage because of interest rates rising, it's gone up to $4,577. It's gone up by $600 a month already. So if you were just making it happen, just making ends meet under the variable mortgage rates before, you're now $600 in the hole every month. Well, they're expecting interest rates to continue to rise. And so if you assume that they go up another percent, well, that doesn't, that's not out of the realm of possibilities because inflation is so high, as Jay mentioned, it's over around 7%. So this is a way to try to curb this inflation. So if now prime goes to 4.7, your mortgage payment is now $5,100 a month. That's wow. an increase of $1,127 after tax money that you have to pay a month. So yes, to, to say, yes, you should be stressed. Absolutely, you should be stressed. You and never you, gave yourself any wiggle room. And, and to think about it, Don, those interest rates that you're speaking of are still traditionally, historically, historically extremely low. That's what our parents were paying. Absolutely. That's a great, great, great observation, Scott. That's exactly what's gone on. We would have loved to have a, a 5% mortgage, but things got crazy. People just, the greed factor. And no different than investing, it's the fear and greed. There's the fear of missing out. And that's what kind of the real estate boom has been. And then, so everybody's dying to get in because I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. And there's a greed factor that goes with that. So what about just changing it over to a five-year mortgage? I think the rates uh, are, Jay was just saying, I think they're up to almost 5% now, Jay. Yeah, 5.4% for a posted fixed year. I just are posted five-year rate. I, I obviously you can get discounted rates, but I just pulled it up just before we got on the show here. But just thinking, you know, the, the psyche, you're talking about the fear of missing out or the FOMO of, of not getting in. And it's the, the investor psyche or the, the real estate investor psyche is that, you know, money's cheap and real estate just keeps going up, which it's done for the last 10 years. So this is an easy, I don't care if I'm boring to, to get into this. I don't care what it costs to borrow. It's going to keep going up. So what you can't lose in real estate. And we know that that's not true, right? And and I, I just think there's a false sense of security with, with rates being so low over the last two years or really going down over the last two years and house prices going through the roof. People think it's, again, the FOMO. If you didn't 
didn't get in on it. Now they want to get in and it's too late or, or maybe not, I don't know. But, um, but I just think that psyche is that, oh my gosh, I got to get in and I got to get a part of this and I don't care what it costs. Um, so, and, that, and that's really what went on. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we're already seeing the market start to drop and the Halton area in the last three months, the housing prices have dropped about 13%. Wow. Okay, so if they drop 20%, I, and that was actually my personal prediction in January, I, think, I actually think it might even be more than that, because I'm starting to, we're starting to see people, you know, I'm delaying buying a house now. Now the opposite side, well, if housing prices are dropping, I don't want, I, I'm going to wait for them to keep dropping. So there's the exact opposite reaction, and that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Everybody starts waiting to buy. I'm going to wait till later. I've got some money for a down payment, and you're now seeing houses last a lot longer. So at the end of the day, you need a, a financial plan. And this is where just a pragmatic, non-emotional, how should I buy a house? How should I reduce my debt? What's the best avenue to take at this moment? Now, seniors, reverse course a little bit, no pun intended, I guess there was actually, reverse mortgages are the exact opposite. We're now seeing a, a fair bit of seniors. This has actually doubled in terms of how popular these products have been, where they take their house, it's already paid for, but they've run out of money. And now they are using that house, borrowing against it and getting a, a payment, a lump sum. So they can fix up their house. They can use it to give themselves a monthly payment. These are not generally my favorite things. They are useful. And it's almost like, do you go with a, a home equity line of credit where you borrow against the equity in your house? And there's lots of equity right now. So it's not a terrible time to do it. Um, or do you go with this reverse mortgage? Reverse mortgage interest rates are about 2% higher. So currently around 6% on a reverse mortgage. Now, out of sight, out of mind is kind of what reverse mortgage people do. You know, you're not actually seeing it. You're, you're paying the mortgage, but you don't actually have to make any payments on a reverse mortgage. It simply just keeps eating away at the value of the house. So yes, you don't, the difference from a home equity line of credit, you have to make payments on it where reverse, reverse mortgage is you don't. And so, but on the opposite side, home equity line of credits are a lot less expensive where a reverse mortgage is a, lot more is a lot more expensive, in my opinion. It's a couple percent more. So not a bad thing. It, it's, uh, if you want to live in your house, if you, a good example, I thought, is if you took $163,000 out as a reverse mortgage, put it into a tax-free savings account, maxed them out right now, which would be two people at uh, $81,500 each. So you'd top those up. Take an income out of the TFSA. And let's say the TFSA was earning 2%. You could get $2,000 a month. And we would last for seven years and four months before the money would run out. Well, that point, then you maybe look at selling the house. At least you still can sell the house and then they pay off the reverse mortgage. And you can then you know, either look at whatever they, you know, kind of living you can get at that stage. So it is an option. Again, sit down with your financial planner to decide, should you have a home equity line of credit or a reverse mortgage or do you need some help in saying, how do we get out of this debt issue we got? Okay. In all cases, have somebody to look over the situation with you. We're planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Taking a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, 
The guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, this segment, buy, sell versus key person insurance. What does that mean, Jay? Yeah, so change gears a bit from financial stress, but uh, insurance can be a little stressful for business owners and, and not having the right right insurance in place. I was away on the weekend with uh, a business owner and spent some time with him and he has various businesses and, and various different sectors and he's revisiting all his expenses like a lot of people are doing with their personal finances right now and he, he was looking at his insurance policies and seeing if, if they were the right fit and, and whether they made sense and he was a little confused or slightly confused about uh, what a buy-sell agreement was. And for our business owners on the call, I figured it was it was worthy to go through and, and try to add some clarity to our, to our listeners about what a buy-sell agreement is, how it works, and the difference between key person insurance and, and buy-sell insurance. So key person insurance, uh, it protects the business. Uh, if a key employee, top executive, top salesperson, a key manager um, uh, dies prematurely, um, the business owns a policy on these people. And what that does is if the, if the person is suddenly gone, the business may go through um, some tough times. So some clients may leave if it's a key salesperson and all, all, the, all the clients were, uh, were based on that, on that salesperson. Revenue may be reduced. Uh, credit may be hard to get if it was, a, if it was an owner or a, or a key person or a top executive in the company. Um, credit may be hard to get. So the banks are, we were talking about interest rates. Banks are tightening up the way they lend money to, to companies as well as individuals. So it'd be hard to, it could be hard to obtain credit if someone is gone. So also the remaining employees may, may feel that there's uh, a changing of the guard or worried about the future success of the company. So job security could be an issue. Um, so what happens is the company owns this life insurance on that key employee. There's a lump sum benefit that's paid out tax-free to the business owner um, to continue with the operation. So to help find a replacement, find find uh, new opportunities, restructure current operations, whatever needs to be done, um, it gives you kind of a cushion in order to, to find what needs to be done to get the business up and running again the way it was, or, or maybe differently, but it just gives you that, that lump sum benefit uh, of a pay payout to uh, to keep the business running. Um, the, biz- the business has the ability to use those funds however they deem appropriate. They can use it for payroll. They can use it for uh, paying off debt. They can do it to hire someone new. So it- it's nice that they get this payout um, it's unfortunate someone's passed away um, uh, and one of their deceased partners or, or key people have passed away, but they've, they've got the funds in order to, to replace uh, some of the economic loss. So a buy-sell insurance is a little different. Um, it's not a, necessarily on a key person. It's, it's, it's more uh, life insurance to fund a formal buy-sell agreement. A buy-sell agreement is drafted by a lawyer, put in place with several uh, specific instructions to facilitate uh, the transaction of ownership in the event of a premature loss of one of the business owners. So if you have one or more, or sorry, two or more business owners, you'd put something like this in place so that in the, in, in the event that someone dies prematurely, um, the shareholders are not the estate. So just just put it in perspective, if you've got two business owners and, and one of them passes away and now the spouse of that business owner is now the owner because they inherit, inherit the shares of that company, now that new, new business owner, the spouse, is now the owner of the company. 
and now has just as much control as the previous owner who, who may be involved in the day-to-day business. So what you do is you put a buy-sell agreement in place um, to make sure that those shares are purchased from the company. Um, the company is able to purchase those shares from the estate with the use of insurance. So you put put insurance on both business owners. And if something happens to one of those business owners, the money's used to buy out the estate. Um, and that buy-sell agreement is used to, it, it's, a, it's an agreement that's put in place so that we avoid the fact that a, a spouse may or, or a family member may own the company after, after someone passed away. We don't want that to happen. So um, often what we'll do is put one of these in place. It also provides liquid cash. Um, if we need to complete the sale of the company. So let's say a business owner does pass away and the other business owner wants to, wants to sell the whole company because there's no point in keeping the company going. This gives liquidity, gives the, gives the company some money to, to have on hand. Um, again, when a business owner passes away, it could be very difficult to borrow money from the bank um, after one of your, your primary shareholders has passed away. So the bank's a little reluctant to lend money. Um, this gives you liquidity. Uh, we work with all kinds of ships with business owners and lawyers. Um, often we'll go through and we'll sit down with business owners and they have one of these buy-sell agreements in place, but they don't have any way to fund it. Um, they just figure that they'll come up with the money when someone passes away. Well, good luck trying to come up with, especially if it's a multi-million dollar company, good luck going to the bank after your business partner dies and ask them for a big loan to buy out, buy out, the, buy out the estate. Generally, they're not too... Too, uh, too keen on lending money like that. So we often find that these shareholder agreements are designed and they're, they're nice and they're put in place and the lawyer drafted something perfectly, but there's no, no means to fund it. So that's when we put something like this in place. We put a life insurance policy in place on both owners, or if there's more than one owner on all the owners and make sure there's funds in place. So when, the, when, the, when someone does happen to pass away prematurely, we've got coverage. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Taking a break here. We'll be right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at Donfox. Uh, you can find out more at Donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 905- 972-7420. All right, boy, we've heard this uh, advice uh, quite a bit over the years, Don. Stay the course. Stay the course. And, you know, whether it's, you know, and Jay's just talked about life insurance. And of course, we sell life insurance and we offer, we can go through all the life insurance providers and get the best insurance product. Same with the investment side. We try to match the investments to the goals that people are trying to obtain. So if it's a retirement goal, we're trying long-term investments to accomplish that goal that will get better than average rates that will beat inflation. So no matter, the, the whole point of a financial plan is to find out what are you trying to, what's the, what are the needs and what are you trying to accomplish? And then getting the right product that matches that goal. So some people say, well, how do you advise people when you don't even know what's going to happen? Well, yeah, absolutely. We do not know what the market's going to do today, tomorrow, or next week. But 
if you look at a long-term portfolio over 10 years, the odds are super in your favor that you're going to do well. In fact, in the Canadian market, as long as you looked at 10 years, there's never been a negative 10-year spot. So if you bought at the peak at the market, 10 years later, you, you made money. Now, it wouldn't have been as much had you bought at different times and at lower point, points. 10 years later, you would have made even more money. Of course, when the market's down, as, as we're finding right now, it's actually a better buying opportunity. You're buying things that are you know, 10% cheaper right now. So it is, it is better to buy low. But even if you bought long time as your friend, and this is where you have to look at the window of time. And if the, if the window of time is a month, you're, you're going to just drive yourself crazy. Oh boy, it's down this month. Well, what does that have to do with your 10-year plan or a quarter or a year? Look at the longer term. Look at the five-year, 10-year kind of time frame, and you will feel a lot better. In fact, if it does affect you, maybe you just don't want to look at your statements. You know it may be down. You listen to the news. Some people just put them aside and wait till things go up and then look at the good ones when they come back. Because as it turns out, down markets are two times more emotional affecting you rather than a gain. So you're far more, you know, it really affects you emotionally when you see a down, a down in your portfolio rather than if it went up $5,000 or down $5,000, the 5,000 down hurts you a lot more emotionally. And so people say, well, why don't I just sell it now? And when I'll buy it back when things get brighter. I don't know, but Jay, I don't know how many times you've heard this one. Daily. <laughs> <laughs> and so that is the case. It sounds so easy. You just sell it when it's, when it's the, you know, the news isn't good and you buy when the news is, is a lot better. Problem is, um, when is the market going to start to go back up? Number one. And second, if it does look good, by that time, the market's gone up tremendously. You're then buying back when it's up. So it's kind of interesting, as we've talked about a few times on the show, the Dalbar 30-year average on the S&P 500, the U.S. stock market, is 10.7%. The average investor that tracks the S&P 500 should get around 7, 10.7%. In fact, they're getting 7.1% over this 30-year stretch. They're losing 3.6% a year. And it's this is consistent. I'm sure we're going to find it again this year after the volatility we're seeing here. So another interesting character, uh, Carl Richards, who's a certified financial planner. He's a sketch guy for the New York Times for many years. He's got a CFP. He's, he was in our business. He doesn't practice anymore. He does a, more, a lot more seminars and things for advisors. Um, he's been featured on the Marketplace Money, Forbes, and even um, Oprah. And Scott, he's even been on our show. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure oh, he's put <laughs> Oprah is always stealing our guests. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's got, he, he's got all these different sketches, which are just, it all comes back to emotion. And, you know, I can try to, it's best to see them. Just Google Carl Richards and you'll see all the sketches. But a few personal favorites of mine is, you know, the current reality and the goal. And it, the upward trend is to the goal, but it's up and down and up and down all the way to the goal. But as long as you catch, if you don't look at the ups and downs, you just look at the longer term. A financial plan is first thing you do is set your financial goals, plan to reach those goals, find the investment that fits those, that plan and repeat and repeat and repeat. Keep doing that. Get, don't get caught up in the ups and downs of the market. Um, where he started was he started off with this phrase behavior gap and it was investment return was one thing, but investor 
return? What do the in actual investors get? And it's a lot less. And the difference is behavior gap. And that's what human nature does. And so we try to avoid people from making that error. And again, the roller coaster, you can just imagine the roller coaster. And when it's up, it's that greed and buy. Just like we talked about the housing market. Then when it's down, oh my God, it's going to keep going down. The fear and sell. And then it goes back up again. And we just keep repeating that until we're broke. And that's basically his whole thing. So at the end of the day, what we do, he summed it up really well. There's you on one side and there's the big mistake on the other side. And we're in the middle. And that's what Jay and myself and Gary and Mitch, that's what we do. We try to help people avoid the big mistake. And day in, day out, that's what a good a certified financial planner does. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Don Fox, and Jay Llewellyn have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more about them at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Thank you, gentlemen. Another award-winning show. Have a great week. Thanks, Thanks so much, Scott. Have a good one. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.